are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So, um, as we're continuing our prayer and fasting, again, the Lord really kind of highlighted this year to speak more on the prayer side than the, than the fasting side. And, um, and uh, today I'm going to start uh, number one of what I call the prayer tool belt. And I think so many of us, we, we understand, like, we are taught how to pray, and we're taught things like, you know what, we say, Lord, I ask in your name, amen, and that's called the prayer of petition. But do you know that that is one form of prayer, and the Bible teaches us 18 different types of prayer to be able to walk through. I know when I was a kid, um, I actually, Cindy yesterday put up on, on her Facebook wall a picture of Lucas and I kind of saying, hey, how much we're similar. And we, I had a, a lady who grew up, we called her Auntie Cheryl. She wasn't my auntie, but we called her that as a kid. She was a good friend of my mom's. And she says, wow, does he ever look like you as a little boy, my son Lucas? She says, is he as, does he get into as much trouble as you? Is he as what mischievous as you? And I'm like, no, thank the Lord he's not. You know, I don't know what it was when I was a kid, but I just had, it was like I had a target on my back. Like I could walk out and totally walk in that place where it's going to like, you know what, I'm going to have a good day and I'm not, not going to get into trouble. And then all of a sudden something happened and trouble would find me. You know, I was one of those type of kids. I remember one, one day I was probably, uh, I was... I don't know, uh, heading off to school, uh, probably heading off to grade 8, maybe grade 9. And um, as I was walking down the road, I, I found an envelope on the road. And I stopped and I picked it up, and inside the envelope was $1,000 in gift certificates for Sears. And I'm like, yes! Like, this is a gift from God. Like, there's no name on it. I can't return them. So I'm going shopping is what I'm going to do. So I went down to my school... And when I went to school, I went to Sears, and I was like, okay, so I'm walking around Sears, like, what, I got a thousand bucks in my pocket, what am I going to buy? And I'm like, you know what, I, I know what I need. I need a bow tie and a cummerbund, and, I, and I, I remember purchasing that, because, you know, every girl crazy about a sharp-dressed man, you know, so I needed a bow tie and a cummerbund so I could wear that to school, and, and I bought a few other items, and when I, I remember when I went to the checkout, um, I used these gift, card, these gift certificates, and, and the lady says to me, she says, okay, just write your name on the back, and uh, we're good to go. And as soon as she said that, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I just thought it was like cash. And I'm like, well, I don't want to write my name on them, because then they can track me if, 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 if all of a sudden someone's like, they're mine. So I wrote on there, the, the prime minister at the time was Joe Clark, and I wrote Joe Clark. First name that came into my mind. And, and, and I left home, and when I came home, I came home with like probably $400 worth of stuff, and I'm showing my mom, and she's like, where'd you get that? I'm like, I got it from Sears. She says, well, where'd you get the money for it? I said, I found it. And she says, what, what do you mean you found $400? I said, no, 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 I got more left over. I found $1,000, and she's like, okay, we gotta talk about this. So I told her everything. Like, I, so what, I just, I, I, I did this. But then when I got to the Joe Clark part, all of a sudden she's like, that's fraud. And she called the police on me. 
and they came and they, they, they sat down with me and they, they uh, scared the daylights out of me and let me know that I could be going to prison for a very, very long time. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? Like, I try, like, I, I try to do good, but as soon as I wrote that name on it, the, the officer's like, you know what? At that very moment, you knew that you were wrong, and you put a false name on it. And that proves to me that you knew that it was wrong, and yet you did it anyways. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I can't believe I did it. Take me to jail. I'm a criminal. And, you know, as, as believers, the, the majority of us walk in that place, and we're just like, Lord, like, I want to do good. I want to do what's right. But Lord, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we understand that it doesn't matter if you're the pastor or you're somebody else, you're the Pope, that there is a, there's a level that God has, and when we sin, we fall underneath that level. But praise the Lord, when Christ died on the cross for us, he became our advocate, and when he went to the cross, he says, you know what? You are now as white as snow. You are totally forgiven. And I don't know who you are, and I don't know your past, but I do know that when we step in that place and we say, Jesus, I repent, and Lord, I ask that you wash me clean, all of a sudden a transformation takes place where we become a total new creation, where the past no longer defines us, but our future is so bright that we have to wear shades. God is awesome. And I said earlier that the majority of us as believers, we know that prayer that says, Lord, I ask in your name. But if you, you think of that prayer as like a, a prison cell, and we start to pray for our sons and our daughters and our loved ones and our friends. And we pray, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. And that's like taking one key and opening up the cell door and say, you're free. Is the prisoner free? He's not. He can now get out of a cell. But I don't know if you've ever been into a prison, but there's a whole bunch of doors and gates and, and chains and all that kind of stuff before you can get to the outside of a prison. These other type of keys give us access to each one of those doors. And as Holy Spirit leads us, he leads us to the right prayer for the right time, for the right circumstance, and the Lord opens up doors and we start to then see much fruit. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners set free. You know what? Maybe you're here this morning and your wife is not serving the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and your husband's not serving the Lord. Maybe you're here and your children do not serve the Lord. And you just find like, Lord, I've been praying for 20 years and I just have seen no change. I'm wondering if we just keep praying the same thing over and over again, and the Lord is like, I've given you the keys, and I want you to use them. And all of a sudden, when you start to use them, you start to see a fruit that you've never seen before. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus' will is that none shall perish, but everyone go to that place. And I love that scripture, that I'm not being slow as many people think I'm returning, but I'm a patient God. I'm waiting for people, for, for, for the majority of people to be able to get to the place, bow their knee and say, Lord, I don't want to live for myself anymore, but God, I wish for you to be my Savior, my Father. 
So the first type of prayer I would like to talk about this morning is called the prayer of thankfulness. It says, the Bible says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. No matter where in life, there must, this must be our focus, for God is good and in the land of plenty, and he's good during the times of sifting. You have to understand who you are. Do you believe that God has a call on your life? If you don't, then you have to remember that Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Do you know that you've been adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Once you understand that, it makes you of a royal lineage. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you know that uh, if you know this, then I remind you that John 16, says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in here. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. See, this is one of those things that I truly believe need to be caught and not taught. Man, I can be up here for hours preaching on, on how when times are tough that we need to press into his presence and that God will be our rock. God is our fortress. God is our strength. And we can even be in the sanctuary going, yes, amen, amen, I believe that. Yes, pastor, hallelujah. But all of a sudden, you walk out the door and something awful happens. The phone call rings, something happens, and you're like, oh my goodness, and we start running around paranoid because we, we don't really have that foundation of trust in our life. I've shared this story before here in the church, and if you've heard this before, Please uh, just uh, give me a little bit of grace because I think that the majority of people haven't heard this and there's just such truth here that it needs to be spoken again. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Edmonton and my ritual, I guess, since I've, ever since I've been a pastor is I like to come in early in the morning and I like to pray in the sanctuary and I kind of, I'm a bit of a walker. I like to walk around and I love it when nobody's here because I can put up some music and I can start dancing and I can start shouting and I can literally look like a, a fool. But no, and no one's going to be like, man, you sure don't know how to dance. Like, like I'm going to, like, I, you know, just that, that's one of my fears. You know, all of a sudden I start dancing before the Lord and someone's back there with their cell phone and all of a sudden YouTube gets three million hits. Like, look at the pastor dancing in the sanctuary. You know, it's, it, I know it would happen. So, so I like to know that I'm just kind of in that place. And see, Ernie's already got his phone ready just in case I start to, 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 start to dance. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. So um, I, I came into the sanctuary one, one morning, and it was early, and nobody, nobody was in the office yet. And, and, and as I came in, I was just feeling so heavy. Man, have you ever been in that place where you just really don't want to get out of bed? You know, just, just something is just so tough and you're just like man like maybe you can't even put your finger on it but it's just like oh, I just feel depressed I just feel blue you know I just I don't want to go in and I don't want to pray to this morning that's for sure and I remember just kind of dragging my feet and coming into the sanctuary and when I came into the sanctuary I lie on my face before the Lord at the altar and I spoke to God and I said God there's not going to be any singing today. There's not going to be any dancing. Lord, I just feel so bad today. Lord, I just feel so down. And God, I ask that you just fill me up by your spirit. 
Amen. That sounds pretty spiritual, hey? And as I'm laying there, I'm just like, okay, God, go ahead. Zap me with your lightning bolt. Change everything. Let me feel good today. And as I was laying there on my face before God, I felt the Holy Spirit laughing at me. And I got totally ticked off. I'm like, you are a mean, cruel, cruel, cruel God. How could you do that? I'm telling you, like I'm sharing, I'm pouring out my heart. And you laugh at me? Lord, how could you do that? Why would you do that to me? And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He says, son, you just vocalize with your mouth that there'd be no dancing, there'd be no singing, there'd be no rejoicing, whatever else I said in there. And then you asked me to fill you. How can I fill you? And I'm like, I don't know. That's your problem. You're God. He said to me, son, choose you this day who you'll serve. I'm like, God, you're totally using that scripture out of context. Like, it's got nothing to do with depression and, and just feeling gross. And as I lay there, I just remember a whisper coming out of my mouth. I said, I get it. God, I choose you. And as soon as I said that, I just felt life into my spirit. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, that was awesome. And I'm like, God, I choose you. And again, and I'm like, oh. And I got up, I'm like, I choose you, God. I choose you. And I just, that spirit of heaviness that was upon me broke. And all of a sudden, I had freedom, and I started dancing and shouting and singing and yelling at the top of my lungs, I choose you, God. And something changed in my life on that very day. And that's why I think, brothers and sisters, that this cannot be taught. Because it's easy to take down notes and say, okay, when I'm feeling very sad, choose the Lord. But all of a sudden, again, you walk out there and, and, and something happens that causes you to walk in that place of darkness. And the enemy wants to get us, our eyes off of the heavens and focused on the problem and focused on ourselves. And when we do that, all of a sudden, it's kind of like there's no hope. And that's not who Christ is. God gives us hope. He is hope. And if we forget that, then we're missing the simple point of the gospel that, you know what, by his stripes we are healed. That God is everything. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our tower. And when we, when we walk in that place and say, you know what, God, I don't like this circumstance. I don't like this situation. I don't like today. But God, you're faithful. And Lord, I trust that you have me in the palm of your hand. A great biblical example of thanking God in the middle of trouble is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I love this story. It's a story of Jehoshaphat. Word came to him and three nations had come together to kill him and take their land. Now put yourself in that place. You're the king. And you get a scout coming run up at you and saying three nations have got together and they're sending troops here right now, armed troops to wipe you out and take away your kingdom. I think that might be a bad day. I, I, I think that might cause anxiety and fear and stress to rise up in our hearts. 
And sometimes I allow anxiety and stress and fear to rise up in my heart when it's something that is really minor. But yet here is a word that, you know what, you're about to be killed. you got three nations coming together, and you know that your army can't stand against these guys, and you are doomed. You've got a death sentence coming right at you. So what does he do? He starts to pray. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. The Lord tells him, I'm going to fight for you. Go out tomorrow against them and just watch what I do. So what does King Jehoshaphat do? Jehoshaphat pumps up the people, and before they head out to battle, he sends out first the worshipers. We read that in verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. This is what the Lord sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. We sang it this morning. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. He's crazy about you. Give thanks to the Lord. He knows your circumstance and your situation, and he cares for you more than the problem. And at that moment, they began to sing and give praise. Verse 22, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they destroyed the army of Seir, they then began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Is that incredible or what? That problem, that death sentence, that, 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 that word of, of, of despair that was spoken, the Lord says, you know what? Worship me. Send out worship and see, just take a chance, see what I do. And all of a sudden they're standing in that place and they're like, okay, God, this is kind of weird, but we're going to thank you in the midst of trials. We're going to thank you in the midst of trouble. And when they get up to that lookout point, They see bodies lying everywhere. Man, that's your God. That's our God to stand in that place where he's like, you know what? Do you trust me? Because I want to fight the battle for you. You're not even going to have to lift a finger. I just want you to trust me. I just want you to stand in that place and receive your inheritance as a son and a daughter. Isaiah 61 teaches us to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why do we do that? Because heaviness is a spirit. There's a spirit that is called heaviness. And that spirit comes upon us. And when we praise the Lord, that spirit cannot be there. So all of a sudden, we start to feel heavy. We start to feel depressed. We start to feel blue. Whatever terminology you want to use. And we say, you know what? In the natural I don't feel like getting out of bed. In the natural, the last thing I want to do is pray. But I'm going to choose today who I'm going to serve. And I'm going to push through through praise. And when we start to enter into his presence, we start to praise the Lord. That spirit of heaviness has no longer has a right over your household, no longer a right over your life, and it has to be broken in Jesus' name. Here at Cold Lake Community Church, we are family. And we're here for one another. You know what, today, this isn't my service. It's the Lord's service. And whatever God wants to accomplish, he can accomplish. 
I know that Dan suggested that we open up the altars at any time while, while I'm speaking and the Lord is challenging you. Like in the middle of my sermon, if the Lord is ever speaking to you, you want to come up and spend time at the altar, I bless you. But I wanted to do it a little bit different. I don't want to do, this, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I just wanted to step in that place this morning and say, God, I know in this service, at this moment, there's some people who are facing some pretty dark times. And I know in this service at this moment, there's some saints of God who are on the mountaintop and things are, are going fantastic. And when we're on the mountaintop, it's important for us to practice his presence, to be able to say, you know what? I'm praying for you. I'm standing with you. And God, you're awesome. Lord, man, God, you're good. Because we forget when things are going really well. But when we're in that place of despair and we're in that place of darkness, that is the place that takes us where, where we have to fall on our knees before God. I just wanted to take a few moments and open up the altar in the middle of the service and ask Ernie to come. And we're going to get back into the message in a few minutes, maybe, whatever God wants to do. But as Ernie comes, I just wanted us to practice today thanking the Lord. I just wanted to practice today just saying, God, you are my rock. You are my fortress. Lord, you are everything. You know what? Maybe you're here and you're like, okay, this is weird. You know, I'm just not used to this from the church that I go to. We've never done this before. Again, it's an opportunity just to stop our agenda and lay it at the feet of the Lord and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And I can talk, man, I can, I can keep going. And actually, if I put this whole sermon series together, it's probably about six hours of speaking. I can keep going. But I want to lay that down this morning and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And Lord, if there's one person in here who can catch this morning in the moment of darkness that God, if I press in through thanksgiving, if I press in through praise, and all of a sudden that spirit of heaviness leaves you this morning, if there's one person this morning, then praise the Lord. Give him all the glory and all the honor. I'm willing to stop this service today for one. So as Ernie starts to lead, I just want to open up the altars. And I just encourage you, nobody's going to pray for you this morning. No one's going to come and lay hands on you. But I'm going to make agreement with you this morning that as you're coming up here, you're like, Lord, I agree with this message, God. And Lord, I want to be thankful and I want to practice thanksgiving. And I want to receive, God, what you have for me on this day. Amen? Amen. Praise God. You're up around the altar. Feel free just to linger in his presence. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? That's better. <laughs> it's powerful when we just stop. Stop the mundane. Stop the routine. And just say, Lord, I invite you to come now. The next prayer I'd like to talk about is the prayer of adoration. Adoration is closely linked to thanksgiving, but it offers praise and adoration to the Lord. Luke 1, 46 to 49 says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, 
and he's done great things. Adoration is the act of love or regard. And as we lavish as a people upon the Lord, we gain the oil of gladness. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel dry. Pray like this, for God inhabits the praises of his people. Adoration is just to take again that time just to say, God, wow, I love you. Singing out a new a love song to the Lord. You know, it, it, it's so amazing uh, in services as the worship team usually just starts to play. And, and even I think this morning, if I remember correct, Ernie just took a moment and says, just sing out to the Lord. Why do they do that? You know, some people who aren't singers are like, I hate that. You know, it's just like, I don't want to sing out to the Lord because I'm not a singer. But the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. And that, you know, I could pick up a Hallmark card and give it to my wife and say, you know what? Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm so thankful for you, you know, and, and give it to her. And she'd be like, oh, thanks. But if I take the script off and I just say, honey, you're the apple of my eye. <laughs> I'm just so thankful for you. The Lord has blessed me with such an amazing wife. And I just want to, as your husband, call you blessed today. Do you see the difference? And that's the same with the Lord. When we take that moment and just say, God, I just want to lavish upon you. All the songs are awesome and they're powerful, but there are other people's love songs to the Lord. When we just take that moment and, and, and speak our heart and share our heart, and even if it's something like, you know, Lord, I'm not really a, a wordsmith, so God, I love you. I love you. I love you. It just goes down to the very bottoms of our heart, and it just comes out as, a, as an offering of praise, of adoration to God. You know what? One thing that is going to destroy this is the age-old scheme from the enemy of dividing and conquering. If he can get us as a saints of God to use our tongue as a sword against the saints instead of against the kingdom, he's got you. Remember, we do in prayer what the Holy Spirit is asking us. We only do what we see the Father doing. He loves his bride. He loves the church. And when we press into the prayer of adoration, this will refresh your well, for it will bring us into a good place where we focus on the love of the Father. You know, I got a, a great friend, and, and they wrote up on Facebook the other day, and, I, and it just everything in me was, I just wanted to kind of slap their hands. And they wrote something like, you know what? I'm so sick of the church acting and, and not doing this and da-da-da-da-da and just kind of went off on this little rant. And it's like, you know, what you're doing is exactly what you're saying you hate doing. Because Christ loves the church. And the Bible says that he's coming back for a perfect and spotless bride. So I don't know how he's going to do it because we ain't perfect. But yet he's crazy about us. And when we take off all that religiosity and we put it off and just say, God, we're a bunch of imperfect people. But Lord, would you work on our hearts because God, every day we want to be more and more like our Savior. Every day, Lord, we want to look more and more like you. And the way that we do that is we do that through prayer, not through Facebook and bashing, oh, the church full of hypocrites. Man, I tell you, da da da, da. It's, it's no. It's God, you love the church. You're crazy about her. And Lord, help the church every day look more and more like you. That's going to be a powerful day.
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.